The text for the sermon is taken from all three readings that you heard earlier. You may be seated. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, I don't know if you are aware, but the first, we have what is known as electionary. It's, we are on the three-year electionary. So every three years, we cycle through the scripture readings that you hear on a Sunday morning. So the first three years I was here, I was focusing on the gospel lessons. The second round, I was focusing on the epistle lessons. And as of next, last Sunday, we began a brand new cycle, and now I am trying to focus on the Old Testament, which honestly stretches me a bit. And so, as I was going through these texts for this Sunday, I could not help but notice that they very well embodied the themes of the Advent season. Christ is come, Christ has come, and Christ will come again. Which, by the way, journey. Yeah, I'm making call you. What is the last question on your um, sermon report? Other than your parents' signature. It asks for a song and a hymn, right? I'm giving you the answer right now. So, you want to know, in the hymn that we just sang a little bit ago, that second verse very much embodies that theme. Then cleansed me every life from sin. Make straight the way for God within. And let us all our hearts prepare for Christ to come and enter there. Because that's what Advent is ultimately about, is preparing our hearts. But the thing is, is in our secular world right now, the outside world, you don't see Advent celebration. We are in the midst of this, what I consider the secular Christmas season. The actual Christmas season does not start for another 21 days. And it lasts 12 days. It does not end at when you've had Christmas dinner. It goes for 12 days. But we are in the season of Advent, but the outside world is in the secular season of Christmas. And I, I partake in that secular version. I, listen, I started listening to Christmas music this week. I watched uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special on, on Thursday, which if anybody's a Guardians of the Galaxy fan, it's pretty, I thought it was quite amusing. But one of my favorite Christmas movies to watch is the movie Home Alone. And it's a movie that I'm actually this year probably going to struggle to be able to watch. So to give you a reason on this is, so we moved, me, and my, me, my dad, my brother, and my sister, we moved from Moorhead, Minnesota to the tropical lands of Ankeny, Iowa. Yes, when I was a kid, Ankeny sounded tropical compared to Fargo, the Fargo area. But we moved there in July of 1990. Around Christmas time of 1990 was when Home Alone came out. The main character is Kevin McAllister, eight years old. Guess how old I was at the time? I was eight years old. 
And he had an older brother who always picked on him and made his life miserable at times. It felt like it was my life story because I had that exact same thing. Now, we lived in a little itty-bitty apartment. We didn't have the big mansion of a house. But one thing, one of the big themes of the story was Kevin's longing for his mom at Christmas. Did you notice who I said did not come with us to, Moore, to Ankeny? My mom. Because my parents were divorced. And so I knew that, I, that experience of wanting to celebrate Christmas with my mom was my very real reality. And the very first person, the person I went to to see Home Alone in the movie theaters was with my mom. And when it came out on VHS, it was what, it, this is back for you whippersnappers, this is before streaming, where you only had like three VHSs. And we had Lion King, we had Jurassic Park, we had Home Alone. And we watched that so much that the, bo the box, the case it was in was falling apart. When I was older, when I visited my mom, she was at, for time, she was living in an apartment that was right above a Papa John's. And so we started doing a tradition where we would get a cheese pizza, because if you've seen Home Alone, he goes, a cheese pizza all for myself. So we ate cheese pizza while watching Home Alone. This year will be the first year, as many of you know, without my mom at Christmas. Hence the reason it will be difficult to watch. See, the secular world gives us its own message as to what Christmas is, what it's about. We're told it's a season about, we might hear that it's about snow, because I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. But no guarantees on that. In fact, we haven't had one for a few years now. And I don't know if you noticed, the snow's already melted away. It might come back between now and then, but no guarantees there. We're told that it's about decorations and Christmas trees, which our ladies are awesome at decorating our church. We have, we have a beautiful church at this time of the year. But sometimes you just don't have time to get those decorations up. Or you may be living in a place that's not so wonderful for decorating. Or if you're like me, I'm by myself, so I don't set up a tree, because like, who's going to see it other than me? But I do still have the one up on my desk from last Christmas. So <laughs> it's kind of, it works as a nice nightlight. But anyways, some will tell you that Christmas is about gift giving. And Yesterday, when I was in Sioux City, because when I practice my sermon, I like to practice like on, when I'm driving somewhere. And so I stopped to go to Mr. Stir Fry, and it was a filled parking lot because Sioux City was bustling with people going and getting Christmas gifts. But question, is Christmas as cheap this year as it's been in past years? No. Because inflation, as we well know, is at record highs. And there is a possibility, and there's talk, that, in, that a recession is around the corner. 
Not as easy to have the Christ, those type of Christmases. And then we're even told that Christmas is about family. At this point, you should realize that none of the things that I've said are inherently bad. If you like a white Christmas, cool. That's okay. If you like to decorate your house, awesome. If you like, if you like to, if you buy gifts, which most of us do some type of gift exchange, that is great too. And obviously family is a good thing. But it is ultimately none of these things are what Christmas is about. Because as what I talked about with my example of Home Alone, it's actually a reminder of why even that message of family being the, the meaning of the season is lacking. Because there are many people who they are separated. Maybe it could be just something as simple as you're across the country from one another and it's really difficult to get together. It can be because the reality is that for many of us, this is the first, second, third, fourth, tenth, whatever, Christmas without that special someone. It is also the reality that there are those who, like I was when I was a kid, where your parents are separated or divorced. And so you spend, you have your Christmas with your mom, you have your Christmas with your dad, you have your, and if your parents get remarried, you have parents, you have Christmas with your grandparents, your, or your maternal grandparents, and your father's family, because my, my dad's parents were passed before I was even born, but we'd spent it with my aunt and uncle, or, and then you also just spend it with the step family. And so that's the way it is. But we know that's not quite the way it should be. And there's a reality is that there are people in this world that simply don't have anyone at all. All of it is a reminder that this world is broken. And all of it is a reminder that before we get to Christmas, we actually do need Advent. Because the season of Advent is meant to focus us upon the reality that the world is broken. And so we go to the gospel lesson. What are the words of John the Baptist? He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The broken and fallen world is a reminder of our sinful nature. And when we see that the world is broken and is falling to pieces, our first reaction should be to repent. As John says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now in the case of John, this is the Christ has come. And by the way, this is one of those weird things about Advent. We're reading a lot of stuff about Jesus as an adult, and in a few weeks we'll read about his birth. So that's why some people th will think, We'll get the mistake and think, oh, John must be several years old, must be like 30 years older than Jesus. Like, no, it's not, the scripture readings are not chronological on Sundays. But John the Baptist is preparing the way for Jesus to be baptized, which you'll hear about next month. Jesus is 
is preparing the way for Jesus, who is the Christ, to be anointed for the purpose of bearing the sins of the entire world. See, the reason the world is broken, like I said, is because of sin. Sin is in this world. And I don't mean a specific sin. Not a, we don't do this whole thing like, well, this, this happened because you sinned in some way. No, I'm saying bad things happen because sin, original sin, exists in every single one of us. And the broken world we are living in is a consequence of the sin that dwells in every single human being. And so that is why when you see brokenness, yes, we repent. For the sin that leads to the broken world is the same sin that rests in each of our hearts. So this is why John is in the Jordan, at the Jordan River, proclaiming that one will come after him. One whom he will not be worthy to carry his sandals, to stoop down and untie it. One who comes to conquer sin, to conquer death, to conquer the devil. Christ has indeed come. That's why we have this cross towering over. To remind you, he has come. God in the flesh. Fully God, fully human. He died, he rose from the dead. Conquering sin, conquering death, conquering the devil. Christ has come. The epistle lesson writes, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Do you ever wonder why we have services in the middle of the week during Advent? Think about this time of the year. Think about how busy you are. And I hear, and probably that might be the reason why some don't want to go to Advent services. I'm too busy. The thing that you don't realize is if you say you are too busy, that actually means you should go to Advent. Because it is in the middle of the week, as you are busy with so much in your life, Busy with school activities, busy with pl planning things for Christmas, busy with shopping, busy with decorating, busy making plans. And of course, it's the end of the, the year for many people, and people are worried about all that stuff when it comes to work. And, you know, where people might even be thinking about taxes and all that stuff, because that comes around. So, so hectic. And so right smack dab in the middle of the week, you're called upon to stop. Take a breath and rest and receive the encouragement of the scriptures that you might have hope in the midst of your crazy, hectic lives. We even offer, them, offer a meal beforehand if you want to come and get some food. You get off the burden of having to plan supper. 
And you get to sit with your brothers and sisters in Christ and be strengthened in the word of God. That's the same reason we do it during Lent. Again, Lent is probably not as busy in our culture, but it still has that same idea. To disrupt your regularly scheduled lives to focus upon God and his word. Because yes, indeed, while Christ has come, he still comes to you this day. So the epistle lesson represents that. Christ is come, or Christ does come. He comes to you whenever you hear the word. By the hearing of the word, he strengthens you. He strengthens your faith. He gives you the forgiveness of sins. See, when you come to worship, there's kind of this, I, I'm guessing some of you have heard this. It's like, oh, I don't need to go to church. I can worship God just fine on the lake or on the golf course or whatever. See, the God, if you go with the God of creation, the God of creation is scary. You do not want to stand before him on your own laurels. Because he is holy. You are not. To stand before him on your own righteousness, or I should say lack thereof, should terrify you. Do you know what is the reaction of everybody in the scriptures when they even, get they even spend time around an angel, much less God? They fall to their knees in terror because they know to stand in their presence is to see death. But you see, when you come to this place, out there, yes, you hear about God, you see his creation. But here is where you hear that God is for you. That's why you come, to receive him. To receive his forgiveness, to receive his life. To receive that encouragement and strength that you may have hope through your days. Because let's face it, it doesn't have to be Christmas to be hectic. Every week there's something going on, something stressful. And that's why he keeps calling you again and again and again to receive that strength. The third refrain, so I have Christ has come, Christ is come. So what's the third one? He will come again. And that's where the Old Testament reading comes in. Beginning at verse 6, it says, The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Anybody keep sheep? How, if you, for those of you who keep sheep, how many would think, Oh, I heard there's a wolf den down the street out here. Let's, have, let's see if they want to spend time with our sheep. Anybody think that would be a fun idea? Or how, keep it going here. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion. So, probably several of you have cattle. And so you have calves. How many of you are thinking it would be a good idea to bring them down to the Omaha Zoo and put them into the, the cage with the lions? The lions, I'm sure, would like it. 
but it's not going to be a good day. But this, this is an incredible image. The cow and the bear shall lot graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Which, yes, this is kind of a hard, this will be a hard thing for some of us. But we will not be eating meat in eternity. Because meat requires, understand when I say this, I'm not saying that eating meat is sinful or anything. But meat is ultimate. In fact, God himself is the one who gave permission to eat meat. But eating meat is a consequence of the fall into sin. So hopefully there's like bacon flavored lettuce or something when we get into eternity. But here we see it. The lion, a meat-eating animal, is eating straw, like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. And children playing with venomous, deadly snakes? They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountains. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. See, this is what happens. See, this is why we take, we have this discipline that's not just during Advent. It's a lifelong discipline that we spend our time in the word of God. We spend our time in the sacraments. We spend our time repenting and repentance and receiving forgiveness in life is because... We are readying our hearts for that day. Because understand, it's not just about animals being playful and getting along. It's also about people getting along. Think of the Hatfields and McCoys. They will actually get along. Those age-old conflicts. Not to go back to last week, but goes with it. They will be gone. People who have been their entire life have had a life of violence. But they, lit, they have faith in Christ. By his grace and his mercy, he makes them peaceful. Just as the lion is like the ox, the most violent, most hostile person in the blood of Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit, he be made, will be made the most peaceful of people. This is what happens when Christ will come. And death, no more. Sickness, no more. Separation of families, no more. See, Christ, Christmas, as we are approaching, we are readying our hearts for the reality that no, it's not about Christmas lights, but it is about the light of the world. It's not about trees, but it is about the light of the world upon the tree of the cross. It is not about snow, but it is about the reality that his blood shed on the cross makes you white as snow. Your sin cleansed. Hence why I wear these robes. It is not about gifts, but it is about the gifts of word, sacrament, of Christ himself. And while it isn't about family, it is about the reality 
that by the light of the world died on the tree of the cross, his blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins, and by the gifts that he gives you, you are family. Everyone in this sanctuary, you are all brothers and sisters by the blood of Christ. This is a family, which I know people, some people say, well, I know churches fight. It shouldn't be, that, they can't be family. I'm like, do you remember when I talked about my brother? We're family, but he, he beat me up a lot when I was a kid. So <laughs> I still remember him suplexing me. That was frightening. Uh, but anyways, but I mean, families, yes, we squabble in this world. But there, the promise of Christ will come is that too will cease. So as we live in the reality that Christ has come and that he still comes to us in his word and his sacrament, may we be steadfast until he does come. And so I issue a challenge, just on Thanksgiving I issued a challenge. I don't know if anybody took up the idea. But I'm going to issue one again this week. And our youth have the same challenge. And I don't know if they got it passed on to them or not. It's a two, there's a two possible ways to fulfill this. One challenge is, if you do not regularly come to a Wednesday service, attend them. That's number one. I know, it's an extra few minutes on, on a Wednesday night. But let's be honest, you've probably be watching something on TV. So, second, if you're like, oh, I already do that, and so it's not really a big challenge, think of somebody for whom Christ is leading you to bring Jesus to them. So this last week, I went, every now and then I go through the list of our youth, and I look to see church attendance. And to see how, who's been here and who's not. Granted, it is actually better than it was 10 years ago. Or not 10 years ago, but 6 years ago when I first came here. But, at this point, I have 17 that have not been here in the last 6 months. There's about, there's 7 or 8 of them that have not been here since, at least, since we started keeping records again. So that was November of last year. Simple re that's just talking about kids, which also means their parents. <clears throat> Who is someone you can invite to come and receive the word? And you know what? My challenge is invite them. Do so. Invite someone to come to church, and here's the key, with you. They actually sit there and they worship with you. So, blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen.